You are listening to episode 79. And I also would like to introduce today the Okiki Video Bootcamp. Yes, I will be launching a course, which I will have a waitlist in the show notes. And I will be launching some group coaching as well. I know there has been a lot of requests lately of people wanting to learn how can they create content for their own brands. And so I'm looking forward to bringing you along in the journey with that. If that's something that you've wanted to gain skills and techniques on, this will be for you. You'll learn systems on how to create content effectively and efficiently and have more time for yourself in the process while reaching your clients. Again, you can find the information for the Okiki Video Bootcamp in the show notes below. I am so excited for today's episode. I know I'm always excited, but this one was a lot of fun. I have to tell you, I had a lot of good laughs in this episode, but you'd be surprised who was bringing those laughs. And that is none other than Douglas Aze. How did I discover Douglas Aze? I actually watched a documentary called African Millionaires in America which in America, the government actually funded a documentary featuring immigrants who had come from African countries and had done well for themselves in North America. And one of those that they featured is Douglas Aze. He established Largo Financial Services in 2000, and he is a multimillionaire with this company. He is an award-winning insurance agent. And he has received many awards, including the ACE Award through American Classic Agency for four consecutive years. National Life Group recognized him as a Chairman's Club qualifier and Diamond Club member. And he has a significant recognition that is reserved for the company's top insurance representatives. He is also a distinguished member of the Million Dollar Roundtable. And he was also awarded in 2013 at EPN. ET Male Entrepreneur Award of the Year, amongst other things. (laughs) So you will learn a lot about Douglas, about his transition to immigrating to North America, and how exactly did he make it in spite of the obstacles. If you are liking the Okiki podcast, be sure to let us know. Leave us a rating or a comment under Spotify Podcasts or Apple Podcasts, and let us know how are these episodes impacting you today. This episode is also brought to you by Okiki Consulting. We are a bilingual company that helps you with your video strategy, video editing, and videography in both English and French. So if you're looking for strategy help or how to get your content going for your company, your experiences, your personal brand, you can connect with us today at okikiconsulting.com. And now on with today's episode. Welcome to the Okiki Podcast, where we make inspirational people known. Brought to you by your host, Fian O'Brien.
Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Okiki podcast. And today I have Douglas Aze. Douglas is the one who established Largo Financial Services. He is very accomplished and was actually featured on African millionaires in America. And so there's a lot that Douglas has accomplished in his life. In 2013, he was an EPNET Male Entrepreneur of the Year. He was also the top 100 financial advisors. And along with those recognitions, he is number one division of American Classic Agency nationwide. So that means they were able to gross annualized sales of $6 million. And he's also a five-time American Classic Agency Ace Award winner. So I'm very honored to have him on the podcast. He has over 18 years of experience in the financial services industry, and we're just really excited and pleased to have you on here today. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. So we want to know way more about you. How did you jump into entrepreneurship? Uh, what was your educational background? And was being an entrepreneur something you've always wanted to do? Well, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew I wanted to get out of Africa. That was the main thing first. I left Nigeria when I was 18 years old and went to Canada first. I actually lived in Canada. I was in Toronto back then. And I stayed there for a while, for about maybe four or five years. And I left Toronto and moved to America because I figured, you know what? Back there when I was there, there was not a lot of Black people in Canada. Just a lot of Africans, but not a lot of Black folks that I wanted to. I already lived with Africans in Africa. So I wanted to go where the main Black Americans that I saw on Soul Train, where they reside. Fair enough. Because that's what I wanted to see growing up, right? So I left about 23 and I got to America. And while I was there working with, you know, waiting table at IHOP, somebody gave me a business card. And that's how I got into the entrepreneurship world. But it wasn't designed that way because I didn't even know that was the world I was going into. I just thought this was a job opportunity to do, you know, financial services. But when I got in, they said commission only. So, okay, whatever. I could sell, I could talk, you know, sell money. Yeah, I could do that. I'm evil. So I got in and started doing that business and I decided, you know what, I want to be better than all the other people in this industry that, are, you know, have the blue eyes that went to college because I only have a high school diploma from Nigeria, no college degree. So I had to be different. So that's how my entrepreneurial journey started. There's definitely a lot to unpack in there. And I <laughs> I definitely think it's interesting for the viewers who are watching this episode who don't know what Douglas means when he mentions he's Evo. <laughs> I think we have to educate them a bit. So Douglas and I are both Nigerian and it's kind of a joke and kind of true actually that the Evo culture particularly is known for being very entrepreneurial. So yeah, that's why that that part stands out. And then also just to kind of go back into your story, you left to North America, started in Canada, which at the time didn't have a lot of Black people in Toronto. I would say that population's definitely grown <laughs> since then. Oh, since then and, sure. and, and then going to the U.S. because, again, just to expand what that whole diaspora experience actually means for you. And how did you then break into this field, not only with your entrepreneurial you know, ethic, but also given that you're coming from even a different cultural background, how did you begin to engage this very new and different audience? The great thing about 
being a Nigerian and being Igbo and also grew up in the Yoruba land. I grew up in Lagos, actually. Having those two combinations kind of puts, there's no certain sphere. And leaving Africa, leaving all, everything behind and coming here, you know, living to come to Canada and then living in Canada, and there's nowhere, nowhere else to go other than just succeed because I'm not going back to Africa broke. That's not going to happen. So whatever it took, I was going to be successful one way or the other. I'm going to find a way to tap into the folks that are getting, doing it. And then I ask questions, you know, because again, there's my belief system is this. If one person can do it, another can do it too. So there's nothing that makes this person that is successful better than me other than maybe he got here first. So I just have to figure it out. And when I got into this industry and I saw that there's people in the financial service industry that are making serious money in the business, I said, man, if they can do it, there's no reason why I cannot do it. That's awesome. And just going from that, a lot of people will stay in financial services and kind of stick to the company that brought them along. So you kind of went that next stage of saying, hey, I want to start my own. (laughs) That seems like a very daunting thing to do. (laughs) So I want to know what was the journey in, in that and what was your biggest obstacle in not only getting in this space, but even starting your own company in this space where there's a lot of competition? Of course. So the, the great thing is having good mentors in your life, right? The company I started with, work with them for a little bit. And it's so funny. I was just thinking about that the other day. And I was like, man, you know, it's so funny because the first company I was in when I got into the financial service industry in America, the lady that owned the company, she had a house party at her house. And that was the first time I ever saw somebody have an elevator in their home. I was like, whoa, you know, so I'm like, man, but fast forward today, I have an elevator in my house. So it's like, wow, just how life journey go you know how if you stay focused and consistent and persistent and my business partner in that particular back then 25 years ago my business partner now back then was a guy that was also making over six-figure income in 1996 driving a bmw i mean somebody i looked up to today we're business partner in one company a financial service company that we both own together but to also talk about how did i start my own company called lago financial services and build because getting into the industry what we do in this particularly being an independent, because I never worked with a brand name company like, you know, New York Life or Prudential, all these big companies. I never, because I realized years ago that my clients bought me. They didn't buy New York Life. They didn't buy Prudential. They didn't buy the companies I was doing business. They bought me. They trusted me to help them make the right decision. They never cared about the company that I represented. So when I realized that, I said, you know what? I don't have to be with a brand name company. All I have to do is continue being consistent and find the right product that makes sense. If that product doesn't work for me, then I can't sell it to somebody else. And I have to be a student of the business. And because my clients are trusting me to give them the right thing, then I need to go and make sure that I get all the knowledge that I can get in this industry, find the guys that, and ladies that are doing very well in the industry, 
and just work with them. And then eventually, as I continue to do that, I decided just work talking to different mentors and I saw how they ran their business and they operated their own company. Then eventually I started mine and it's been an awesome journey since. It sounds like a lot of what made your successful is that you had a personal brand aspect to it and you had built that relationship trust. So it wasn't hard for you to go, okay, let me make my own brand and let me research the right products because they know that I'm showing up in that way. To expand on that, if you don't mind, yeah, uh, because of course you're the face of the brand. So knowing that your company is doing millions of dollars and it has really expanded, how did you replicate that through yeah, building out staff and a team to make sure that it's somehow still tied to what people come to know and trust? Man, I love that question because starting with Lago Financial Services, I've recruited, because in our business, we recruit a lot, you know, and to recruit someone to come work with you, especially somebody that's independent that can go anywhere, to just have them come and trust you and stay with you, then you have to show them different levels of integrity. Because at the end of the day, they could work with anyone else. You know, they don't have to be with you. Most of my reps that have been with me, they're all totally 100% independent financial advisors. Now, all of them, some have been with me 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. Why? Because we constantly train. We constantly put our agents first. We put our folks first, not the company. We're not too interested in the financial service company. Our organization, our agents are more important and we treat them as they see their clients of ours. Because if you take care of your clients and your folks, they're going to take care of you. So in return, and we also allow them to be independent and have their own franchise inside a franchise, you know? So that makes it a lot. And then we just support from the back. They don't have to have our name at the door. They don't have to say, oh, we represent this company. No, they don't have to do that. If they choose to, that's fine. We don't, you know, we're not against it. If they choose to, but if they don't want to, they don't have to. And so they could build their own brand because that's the word independent. And, you know, they want to be independent agents. So let them be independent and we'll be behind the scene and help them continue to support them to grow and build their bigger organization for themselves. While we just get a small piece, you know, J. Paul Gatti, you know, he said this, I'd rather make 1% of a hundred people's effort than a hundred percent of my own. That's so good. That's such a good quote, especially for when you're trying to scale and grow. And also just observing the fact that the model that you have is very unique in this space too. I've definitely met and know other, actually other Evo people in my own community who are into this. And there's a lot of strict rules around branding and how they show up and how much they can show up as themselves and having to use a company logo. So I do find that whole situation that you've created very fascinating just from a business standpoint that it's almost like you're the machine behind what they're able to do, but you're letting them take the stage. Right, because we want them to be their own boss, be your own coach, do whatever it is that you want to do, as long as you keep the integrity and you understand the brand because we don't want to mess up the brand. That's very important. And in order for us to continue doing that, we continue to train and educate because, yeah, because at the end of the day, think about it. me as a financial advisor, I was waiting table at IHOP with a high school diploma from Africa, from Nigeria. Now, all of a sudden, I got a license. Now I'm a financial advisor, advising people about money. So in order to make sure that 
my guys and ladies are five-star producers. They need to get trained to the top level and be able to perform better than the guys that went to college and all the other stuff. They have to bring a different common sense into it, to the mix. It's not just black and white, especially in finance. It's not, it's a different mix, especially coming from West Africa. We understand money in a certain way than it's here. So I have to first understand the system in America, how it operates. That's why I wrote the book, Creating Generational Wealth, what the super wealthy know that you need to know, because I figure, you know what, everybody want to create generational wealth, but nobody's teaching that concept. So with that said, I didn't want to work with a company that made me feel like I'm a prisoner, supposed to be independent. I voluntarily came to America. I sneaked across the border and come into the country, voluntary. They didn't come take me from Africa. I'm not a slave. And there's no way on the face of this earth that I'm going to be a slave to a company. You tell me what to say and what not to say. I really love hearing that background. And quite a few things came to me in that. I think with financial knowledge, I find it interesting how you mentioned your educational background, because I think the stats for North America show when it comes to finances, the knowledge is actually extremely low. And that's even for people who have done the whole university thing all the way up to PhD. There's a lot of money mistakes happening just in general. And I think one thing I've noticed is during this whole situation that the world has come through, I think it's brought that to light for a lot of people. Like how much do I actually know about my finances, my personal finances and what I'm doing with my life? So I do find it very ironic because a lot of people who maybe didn't do the school path might be more educated on that than people who did. And I wanted to go further into you as an individual because I've seen your content online and you've mentioned how you're not just doing this business, actually, that you're really into expanding that generational wealth in so many facets. So I don't know if you're willing to touch on that. What are (laughs) some of the areas that catch your interest in terms of building wealth and building generational wealth? Yeah, so generational wealth, you know, is creating a legacy and leaving the name forevermore, right? That family name, but controlling it beyond the grave. You know, unfortunately for so many people that build wealth, they don't take the time to make sure that that wealth stays. And not because they didn't want to, but because they never had the time to ask questions or mix with the right people and ask the right questions or find somebody that can help them make sure that that family wealth stays in the family. You know, it's so funny because one thing where I always do with my clients, I show them how the government in 1913 introduced taxes to the American people in 1913. And it was supposed to be temporary. That's just, just for, just we're going to just do it. And it was only 7% for if you make, that's the highest tax bracket. Imagine that in 197%. And it was supposed to go away. But as soon as the government tasted that money, they're like, wait, this stuff is sweet here. Let's keep collecting. They collect 1913, 1914, 1915, 1916. And they say, wait a minute, what if people, when people die, we should still get from them? Like, oh, that's a great idea. They introduce debt tax. So now when you die, now you have to pay debt tax, what they call estate taxes. So in 1913, wealthy families understood that, the ones that are informed. Unfortunately, there's the informed and the uninformed. The ones that are informed immediately started taking action to minimize their tax liability. You know, I always tell my wealthy clients, the ones I meet people, I say, you know, America is the best tax haven in the world. 
A lot of people don't know that they think it's the Cayman Island taking money offshore. No, right here in the United States is the best tax haven. That's why the wealthy families here keep the money in the U.S. Most people don't know that they think the wealthy families. There was one time after September 11 happened when they started doing a sweep to find out who, where people have money. A lot of the wealthy families that people thought would have money abroad have all their money right here in the United States because of how they're structured. But that's another conversation for another day. But America, so I had to understand the system first, because if I'm going to go after high network people, because at the end of the day, it's all about competition and it's all about who's, who has the, the right information, because everybody's saying the same thing. Every financial advisor, they're either pushing mutual funds or stocks. That's it. All, you know, I have this sexy mutual fund. It's been doing the last, you know, for the average, average rate of return, the last 10, 15, 20 years, averaging 8%. I mean, I know I only have a high school diploma from Nigeria. You know, I didn't go to college. But one thing I know about average, average is not money. It's just math. So I need real results. You can't keep telling me average. So I said all this go through my mind when I'm laying down at the bed sleep. I'm thinking about all these things. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to stop listening to these jokers that don't have no money and study wealthy people. And that's how I got into that world and took my brain cell to a different level. That's a great segue because I want to talk to the audience about how did you get featured in African Millionaires in America? And that to me was a very profound documentary to watch just because I'm also uh, living in the diaspora, first generation Canadian in my case, with <laughs> my family. And it was just so epic to see people who immigrated here make it here. That was really special to see. So, yeah, I wanted to know what got you involved in that documentary and what inspired you to share your story like that? Yeah, that's a great question. So I got a phone call from somebody from Voice of America. Just do my thing, running all my businesses. And, you know, this is why it's so important to be consistent and do stuff. People are watching you. No matter what you think, they're watching. They might not say nothing to you. They might not say anything. They're watching you and they know who you are, how you move and stuff. So I have the technology company that we're doing global tech all over Africa and some of, you know, some here we have another tech that we use for different things. We'll talk about real estate. So I've been doing stuff, right? So I got a phone call from this guy and he said, hey, you know, he wanted to, he's working on this documentary with Voice of America. In fact, that somebody gave him my name that I'm a millionaire. I said, laughing. I said, who gave you my name? He said, well, this person gave me your name. I said, oh, okay. I didn't remember who he said it was. Then he said, you know, and I've done some research on you. And I said, well, you know, I'm just living, man. He said, well, I want to feature you. Yeah, you will you be okay with that? I said, yeah, come on, let's do it. Because I always say yes to whatever, podcasts, you know. Listen, if people don't know you, they can't flow you. Every opportunity to have an exposure is a great opportunity. I don't have nothing to hide. I don't have to worry about nothing. You know, the first thing I have, how much, because I get tons of people hit me up for different things and they want to charge you money for it. Oh, we want to put you in this magazine, but you got to pay. I said, no, I don't do that. I'm not paying for your magazine. What? Why? Oh, we want to fuck um, best, whatever. 
So when he asked, I, I said, how much is this going to cost? Because I never heard of Voice of America. I mean, he's like, well, you know, you should check it out. It's a, actually a big deal. I'm like, really? So I asked my fiance, I said, hey, you know, this is she said, yeah, she's heard of them. I said, oh, okay. And he said, there's no fee. There's no cost. It's just we're going to feature you. You don't have to put nothing. I said, all right, cool. Let's make it happen. Damn, man. Let's do it. <laughs> So that's how it came about. I mean, they did their whole research on me or whatever, and they found me. I mean, all over the internet. I'm not hidden. So <laughs> you do a Google search, you find dozens, aces everywhere. That's a very good point because as soon as I reached out to Douglas, I was surprised a how quickly you responded <laughs> because I thought, oh, it'd be a dream to interview some of these amazing people featured in this documentary, but also how much content you had out there. And before I get into the content, did you know the other people in the documentary? Did you all ever get to meet each other even or no, talk about no. the process? I didn't even know them until the day that stuff aired on the, uh, we did a, uh, what do you call that thing, premiere. And it was via Zoom. And then we saw the first clip before we released it to the world. And that was the first time I met both. And you know me as a, as a Nigerian Igbo guy in sales, selling money, financial services. The first thing when I saw those two, I said, hmm. You're like, oh, I have some other clients now. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> Yeah. I just thought, wow, everyone in this documentary is incredible, inspirational, yeah. and talented, and all had have very interesting stories. And for the audience listening to this, the reason I'm not revealing too much is because you need to go watch it. So we'll definitely include it in the show notes, but it's definitely worth it. Yeah, yeah, and the thing is, the three of us, you know, we've since become friends now, and we have some stuff we're working on that we're going to unfold to the world later. That's so exciting. Yeah, for sure. I love that. And finally, going into what Douglas is doing today in the future, because again, I would say a lot of people established like yourself probably wouldn't put their personal brand so much on social media the way I've seen you do it. So I want to know what inspired you to get into YouTube, TikTok, Instagram and really go for it the way you have what made that seem like it was worth your time especially when you're very established already to reach those kind of audiences yeah I mean the thing is this right I wasn't disestablished I didn't just start off boom you know it's a journey right and as the journey continued and and all these platforms started coming out and you start seeing people on that platform people that you watch and they you know i'm like okay i gotta start tapping in and start doing what they do you know so that's it and then sharing information and, and sharing knowledge because i can't see everybody right i can't meet every customer but if i share my knowledge and which is more reason i wrote my book too because i believe you know, somebody could grab a book, read it, and their mindset changes. I share a video. The video is going to live on forever. The book is going to live on forever. Somebody can pick it up and, and watch my video. They might never do business with me, but at least now their mind is thinking and they, they're going through and they're going to say, well, you know what? I'm going to implement some of these strategies. It's all about giving. You know, and giving is not just money. It's giving everything. So that's why. And I'm not stopping, you know, we're actually about to turn it on more now because now we have over 2 million people that have seen us, you know, so it's about to go. <laughs> 
That's so exciting. I was going to say for the final question, what do you value the most about the position you're in today? And what would you tell like an upcoming person like Douglas when he first came to US, if he came up to you and said, hey, I saw you on this documentary and I just want to be you when I grow up. Yeah, just to be focused, be consistent, you know, just keep your eyes on your on your vision, your goal your dream, you know, don't ever cheat anyone. Don't, don't be envious of people. Don't be jealous. Don't cheat people just because you want to get on top. You know, everything happens. Just give back if you can, you know, in different ways. Don't idolize money, you know, don't worship money. Let money just be the tool to help you accomplish the goals, what you're trying to accomplish, but don't make money your focus at the end of the day. I love making money. I, love working hard but at the end of the day money i call it is, is a slave to me you know i control money it doesn't control me so because of that i'm able to scale i can walk away from a business deal if i don't feel comfortable you know because at the end of the day as long as my integrity is intact i could make money tomorrow you know so i let god lead the way and just be the same way nothing the road is never easy the road is never easy the road to success is never easy you know, it don't matter what business owner, I promise you, even the richest man in the world, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, you know, the Amazon guy, the Elon Musk, I promise you, they're still going through it today right now. You know, Oprah Winfrey, all the, all the billionaires you see, they're still going through it. They're still saying to themselves, man, I got to get this, turn this on. I got to do more. I got to continue pushing. They never stop, you know, so... Don't ever think, oh, because they're so successful that, oh, it's a rosy road. Because the more the, the more you climb, the more tougher it gets. Because to get to the top of the food chain, man, you got to climb and you got to fight through a lot of different people, you know, that are trying to get you. Because a lot of people want to get what you have because they don't want to work for it. And they don't know that you work hard for what you got. And there's no such thing as, because I hear people say all the time, oh, I don't work hard, I work smart. No, you got to work hard first, then you start working. There's no something, oh, you know, you just buy this program and then you're going to be a million. No, don't, buy, <laughs> don't do that. Yeah, you know, get the program, get it, but don't just fall victim. Everybody on social media is not who you need to be following and listening to, mm. right? Just, you know, be careful, you know, yeah. and there's no something as a microwave to success, mm. you know? got to put in the effort. You got to love what you're doing. If you don't love it, then it's just, you know, work. I love financial service. And then you build a foundation. Mm-hmm. You can't be, because another thing I hear from people say, oh, you know, I'm going to have multiple streams of income. Mm-hmm. Come on, dude. What are you doing? You got to mm-hmm. build a foundation first. Before. Where you're solid. Before you start having the multiple streams of income. Because mm-hmm. if you don't have a solid foundation, you're going to blow off. You're going to fall out yeah right but once your foundation is solid man then you know can okay, no matter what everybody knows you as this like everyone knows me as financial guy you know wealth strategies you know creating generational wealth expert they know me as that but unless i tell you i have a tech company unless i tell you i do real estate unless i tell you i have a bunch of airbnb you'll never know unless i say it to you right but you know me as the finance insurance guy that's what they call me i said all right cool it's all good <laughs>
For sure. No, that's an incredible answer. And thank you for sharing on your incredible journey. I wanted to give you a chance if you had anything you wanted to kind of share with the audience today that they should look out for when it comes to you and where they can find you. Yeah, definitely. So for those financial advisors that are watching my this program right now, this podcast, if you want to tap in and learn how to scale up your business, guess what? There's this course that I built, very inexpensive, like $250, very low. But I share a lot of knowledge in there on the way that I talk to clients, how I go after customers, what I say to them, how I present, and how I go after the high ticket. So the website is Cash Value King org cashvalueking.org and for those people that are looking to have money forever and keep it in the family from one generation to the other go to this website havemoneyforever.com havemoneyforever.com and pretty much just follow me on instagram and youtube you know i'm douglas Aze on my instagram just only me on there there's no there's no underscore it's i am douglas Aze on instagram <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for taking time to be on the podcast today and sharing with our audience. Like I said, it was kind of a dream when I shot that message and thought, wow, wouldn't it be so cool if I could interview one of these African millionaires in America? And thank you so much for being featured on here today. Definitely. And I answered my DM, right? And spoke to you. Very quickly. (laughs) for sure people are always blown away with that i'm like why not you know (laughs) i'm not too busy that i can't stop and say hello or hear somebody out thank you so much douglas no problem for sure